Welcome to the Bread and Circuses Podcast, brought to you by Digital Pizza, where your hosts talk about anything they damn well please. So strap in while Rome burns and enjoy this shit show. Bread and Circus Podcast. I'm Rooster, here with Crow. Greetings, Earthling. Yeah. Every time, man. It's never good. Um, so I teased this last time about the whole video game thing I was going to mention. So the issue is that uh, EA's Battlefront Five, which is coming out, and for all of you people who are non-nerds and not into video games, um, this isn't about video games right now. This is just about sort of how this permeates culture. So Battlefield 5, the producer of the game, uh, or no, sorry, the Stockholm-based developer DICE, D-I-C-E, unveiled Battlefield 5, the latest installment in EA's flagship shooter franchise on Wednesday, um, and a single female character in the marketing has drawn the ire of players who'd rather not see even a modicum of minority representation in their games. I just That's the writing of it just right pisses there. me off. Yeah. Claiming that the game's trailer appears historically inaccurate, which it is, um, would-be players in the comments section on YouTube and elsewhere were pretty transparent about the reasons for disliking the video. Scroll through the litany complaints about political correctness and hashtag not my battlefield hashtags, and you'll find uh, find plenty that seems unfamiliar with women like Sniper, Ludmilla, Lady Death. Pavel Chenko, Allied Spy Virginia Hall, and the Soviet Air Force's Night Witches. So somebody in the uh, comments said, congratulations, you've just named all the significant women in World War II in one article. <laughs> one sentence. Yeah. Um, so Oscar Gabrielson, who's the, um, what is he's the general manager of DICE, went to his personal Twitter account on Friday to address reactions and ignorance. Quote, first, let me be clear about one thing. Player choice and female player characters are here to stay, unquote. Uh, He wrote, we want Battlefield V to represent all who are part of the greatest drama in human history and to give players the choice to choose and customize their characters they play with. Um, So there's a whole bunch of outrage over this. Uh, He added, our commitment as a studio is to do everything we can to create games that are inclusive and diverse. We always set out to push boundaries and deliver unexpected experiences. Above all, our games must be fun. Uh, I would say above all, no, your games have to make money. Yeah. And my problem with this is not female lead characters. It's that you're changing World War II. It wasn't fought by women. Yes, there were female spies and all and all that stuff. Um, I looked into this a little there, about, and I, I could be wrong because I, I spent 10 minutes researching this. From the United States, there are about 350,000 women in World War II, none of which were frontline troops. Yes, there were some spies in there. I understand all that. not trying to downplay that. But there were no frontline, ass-kicking, browning automatic rifle shooting, beach-storming women. There just weren't. If you want to have that in a game like Mass Effect and you want to customize your character or, um, what is it, Zero Dawn Horizon or Zero Horizon Dawn or whatever, or Tomb Raider or whatever. The Division. Yeah, the game I've sunk 
hundreds of hours into. If you want to play a female character, fine. But this is... It, it's not really revisionist history in the sense that it's actual history. It's just, in my opinion, it's stupid. Now, if they think that by doing this, they will get more players in general to play the game, more power to them. But the part of this that really bothers me is not putting the female character in there. It's that when people object and go, that's dumb. They get told, well, you're a hater, you're a sexist, you're... No, they can say they think it's historically inaccurate. Well, can I push back a little bit? Go ahead. Uh, I'm not... Shut up! <laughs> I'm kind of devil's advocating here, but... You're white knighting. Uh, okay, you're saying it's not World War II. Well, yeah, this is a video game. It's not a history book. Okay. Right. So video games, first and foremost, are supposed to be entertaining. They don't have to be tied to reality. It can be an alternate reality. Right. But here's here's... Now I'm going back to me justifying the concern with it. Um, yeah, you could create a game saying, hey, this is like an alternate version of World War II where women have a bigger role. And people go, sure, buy it or not buy it. Who cares? They Nobody really care, actually. The problem is they're taking an established game that has a, a fan base that appreciates um, the history of the game and the fact that I think this game is known for having kind of historical accuracy. I could be wrong because I know there's one of them that if, if if it's not Battlefront, it's another one. So like, it's Call of Duty. Or I might I be know. I might be wrong about this. I don't spend any time playing. But let's say let's say just for the sake of argument that it the game was known for having kind of historical accuracy, like in weapon types that you could use and and you know the 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 troops that you could be. And it had a fan base and a, and a consumer base that was built upon that. I think you'd be stupid to go, yeah, fuck all that history and fuck all that expectations. We're going to really switch things up on you without getting input saying, do we really want that from the players, from the, from the core players, that the ones that are going to shell out the money every time you come up with a new game um, based on that series. To, to, dis, to, to dismiss them is the problem. It's not, it's not the problem that they're not open to change. It's just to dismiss their concerns outright is the problem, I think. Um, regardless of whether or not it's historically accurate, I don't think anybody truly cares unless that game was specifically meant to be historically accurate. And that's what drew the players in. They're like, this is the one game that we felt like it was so historically accurate. It was fun because of that. Because you're thinking, well, there's limitations based on the fact that we don't have modern weapons. We don't have different abilities or different tactics that we have nowadays that we didn't have back then. That's what made the game fun. Now, if that's what they're changing then I can see the problem. Look, if you want to make a game that uh, fights the Revolutionary War all over again, and the main character in it is Georgina Washington. And she rides a unicorn. And she leads the uh, she leads the plucky rebels into a fight against the largest empire in the history of the world, and she wins, and they want to make that game? Fine, make that game. But when people who've played your game say, well, that's stupid, don't go... Well, you're you know you're terrible and all this and and they say well what's the big deal all he said was buy the game or don't okay if that's all he said that's fine but that's not all he said he went on about no the implication is that anybody that are concerned or don't like it or complaining about it are bigots well that's not even the implication that's just flat out said yeah um, not in this article but I think it was him earlier who said I'm getting tired of looking at my daughter and having to explain to her why the characters and games don't look like her. I don't know, it's just if it's a game based on um, a historical war, yeah. then just that's how it's going to be. 
And most men aren't worried. We will play games with protagonists that are that are female. We don't care. And it's not what Anita Sarkeesian says that we just want to look at her ass jiggling in front of us as as she runs. That's not that's not what we're playing the game for. We we know how to do porn. We don't we don't use our video games to get off. Yeah. We use video games as an escape and, and fun and and uh, get our aggressions out sometimes if it's a first person shooter or whatever. But or to you know to use your brain to uh, to you know do strategy that you would normally in real life can't do. And um, but if if the game's premise is that yeah it's a bunch of um, Amazonians um, or it's a Wonder Woman game. Uh, you play Wonder Woman and you're kicking ass and your expectations going in is that I'm like the protagonist is a female character and I'm playing I'm controlling that character and that's expect expectation I'm not gonna go oh, <laughs> that's ridiculous she's a woman couldn't do that well it's a superhero game about a super powered woman we're gonna uh, we're gonna be fine with that but if you take something that's but we, we talk about this is a realistic warfare game and by the way women are stronger than men. You're like, well, then that's not what's happening. The main character in this game, by the way, that they showed on the promo material, mm-hmm. um, it was a. It's not like in-game play. It was a um, what do you call it? Cutscene style thing, mm-hmm. and it was. I mean, I must be getting old because so much shit was happening in it that I couldn't make heads or tails of what was going on. I was like, if I was actually playing this game, and that was the kind of action that was going on, I I would have a seizure. Because, and I wouldn't be able to shoot or hit anything because it looked like they were shooting indiscriminately into the air most of the time and not hitting anything. So, But then they cut to this scene where this woman shows up and she's got a prosthetic arm. And she's kicking ass like and taking names with this prosthetic. Not only is she a woman, um, but she's a woman with a prosthetic arm. And it's not like a bionic arm. Because no, that's 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 too ridiculous. She's got like a fucking hook arm like with two little hook things on it. And she's picking up rifles and shooting people with them. And then she's swinging them like clubs and knocking people's head. I mean, I'm like, uh, well, uh, okay. I, my, my, I can suspend disbelief. And, and it might be fun and funny, like you said, if it was a, or if, like I said, if it was a alternate reality. But this was supposed to be based on a real war. Well, here's more of a, um, the Battlefield Sandbox has always been about playing the way you like. Uh the way you want, like attempting to fit three players on a galloping horse uh, with flamethrowers, uh, with BFV, you also get the uh, Battlefront Five. You get the chance to play as you want. Uh, I really look forward to EA Play, where we will dig deeper into the core uh, MP experience and provide you with all the hands-on gameplay. Meanwhile, thanks for your support. P.S. If you are curious about some of the gameplay innovations we're bringing to the table, here's an excellent review. Um, with our designer director. So, I mean, this is all his Twitter stuff. I would like to find out if this game is known for its realism because that's that's the that's the base of buyers that you're marketing to. I think his point is it wasn't. He's showing a clip here of three people on a horse using flamethrowers. But that right there, that might be an aspect of the game that's like, you know how people uh, take advantage of you know the system having a quirk yeah. and they'll do something stupid. But the core of the game is not that. That could be a, an, an you know an example of that. So I'm not saying that that's what it is, but it could be. Well, look, I'm not. I you know I've talked about this. One of your favorite games is uh, The Last of Us. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I there's a part in there where the main character isn't the guy; it's the girl he's saving. Um, and I I didn't like playing that part of the game because I don't want. Why? To... Because the girl saves the guy. 
No, because I didn't want to play a uh, 16-year-old girl. I again. loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was a cool yeah. perspective shift, and I thought it carried the story forward. I don't. I have had really no interest in playing Zero Horizon Dawn or whatever. Not because, not just because the main character's female, you know, but because it's in that sort of, it's in a weird sci-fi techie kind of thing. It's not a game that appeals to me. Yeah. Um, I did play the Tomb Raider. Some of the Tomb Raider series didn't enjoy it. Not because the main character is female, just because I've been, I'm not great at those action puzzle games. Um, I played like Uncharted and like that, but there were parts of that I just, I couldn't do and I got frustrated with. Well, I did notice that like in the division, initially starting out, you had two or three different player or two or three different characters that you'd alternate between. When you get up and up and level, you don't do that anymore, but um, none none of yours were female. Yeah. So you you played some of these games partially because it's a uh, it's a what do you call it a fantasy um, you know a violence fantasy that they talk about where you're you're projecting yourself into that character so you don't want something radically different than yourself I to mean, represent you. That certainly could be, but along those same lines, I played Infamous, mm-hmm. a game you didn't like but I loved, and you know doing a little bit of trophy chasing in that game, um, I. Finished it as the good guy, and then I thought, I'll play it as the bad guy. Again, same character, male, playing through, I mean, the exact same character, same backstory, everything. But you have to play it as an evil character. And about halfway through it, I'm like, I just can't do this. So it wasn't really about a male or female. It was sort of like you're saying, yeah, you're projecting a little bit of yourself into there. I want to play a male character who's good, you know. And the fact that it has the option to play as a female means that if you don't care, like I actually don't care, I can play a female character in a game like that, and I don't, I don't get like invested into feeling like, well, it doesn't represent me. I can't handle this, or or just it, it it throws me off because I'm looking at a female and I'm I'm kind of my playing myself, and why is this female? That doesn't really bother me too much, or it doesn't come into play with me. But having the opportunity to have a female or a different race in there is, is absolutely fine for anybody. Well, for me, one of the one of the most fun I had in the Fallout series was uh, which is, is Fallout Three, where they've got the it's in the Washington D.C. area, and they've got the um, the DJ or the yeah. There's a, a post-apocalyptic guy radio that's station. got a, a radio station. Yeah. I liked I, I played through it again as the good guy, and I liked all the stuff he was saying about oh, you know that nameless wanderer out there doing all this good stuff. So I thought, what if I played it like a bad guy? So I went through to play like a bad guy, and thought, you know what? I'll just, I'll play it as a woman just for, again, doing the opposite. And then, like, I always play, like, the sneaking around shooting with the sniper rifle guy. I did every heavy weapon you could. So it was this little petite woman who was just evil running around with these big guns and everything. And it wasn't because I thought, oh, women are evil or it's inherently misogynistic. It was just the opposite of everything I've played. And it was fun because he was like, who is this? Who's this person running around doing that? And he doesn't say, who's this woman? It's just like, oh, this wanderer and everything. But it was... It's fun to do something different like that, but um, I don't. I don't have a problem with someone wanting to play a female character. I don't have a problem with someone wanting to play a female character in Battlefront Five, which is based on World War Two and technically historically inaccurate. What I have a problem with is people saying I don't like that idea. I don't want to play that game, and them sort of saying, "Well, fuck you then." You know, yeah. you're a bad person. I can just see if they say. Okay, well, that's your choice. And somebody in one of the comments on one of these articles said, you know what, all this is moot because we're going to find out two weeks after the game comes out whether this was a good or a bad idea. And I thought, yep, exactly. I'm going to look up. There's another game developer that um, recently just fired two of their um, 
writers, I believe, for the for the game or story. Uh, I'll, I'll look it up. But yeah. it was basically kind of along the same lines where people had concerns with the direction or, or with certain aspects of the story. And and this person was on Twitter as as a representative of the company because the, in their bio, it basically said, I'm working for this computer or this game company. I'm a developer for it or, or writer or whatever she was. And was also commenting on Twitter about the game. And somebody came on and had a disagreement. It was a very polite disagreement. And she came back on the guy like you wouldn't believe. Just, you know, a complete bitch. And uh, another guy that was part of her team that had worked for the company for like 13 years came on and white-knighted for her and said, well, she's absolutely right. You guys are misogynists. And you guys, you know, this is what women have to put up with when they're developers and games, you know, questioning them. For those people who don't know what a white knight is, you want to define it for them? Yeah, it's just some guy who, um, if if a, a woman, it's Steve Shives. Yeah, if a, if a woman, especially in tech, is is um, getting um, pushed back for something, and she's defending herself against uh, you know allegations of whatever of of not being competent or whatever, um, this guy will rush in to to take up on her side and shout down the people against her or, or talk shit to the people against her basically because he wants to get laid yeah <laughs> so it's white knighting all right and a lot of a lot of feminists don't like white knighting they don't like they think having a guy come in and speak for them on their behalf is is a bad thing so they actually don't like the idea of white knighting yeah um, but i'm looking it up right now if you want if there's something well i have i have a friend she's in the uh gaming business and she is sort of famous for playing a female dwarf in her. It's a persona she took on, and she's been with a couple different gaming companies. So some of her games, where she comes in there, she is this female dwarf with this same character name. Um, not always when she plays, but when she plays sort of representing the company, that's her character. She's in um, you know, sort of the community management stuff. So she's on the uh, customer service teams. She leads those. And a lot of games she's played, you can play a dwarf and you can play a female dwarf, but you can't play a bearded female dwarf. <laughs> and she's always like, well, why can't the women have beards if they're dwarfs? She goes, dwarf females have beards. And I'm like, yeah, I, I get it. Totally. If that's the way you want to yeah. play it, that's the way you want to play it. Um, what would bother me is if she said, why can't female dwarves have beards? And somebody from the gaming company came back and said, well, that's just stupid. Women don't grow beards. What do you, you know, that kind of thing. I I don't get this idea that the gaming company, you know, Dice, this developer, and this Oscar Gabrielson is saying, well, you know, he's sort of saying that's how it's going to be. And uh, he's implying that you're kind of a terrible person if you don't go along with that. And this article, the way it was written, is absolutely saying, hey, you know, the only reason you have a problem with that is you're sexist, you know? And maybe you just don't like playing female characters. Right. Okay. Guild Wars 2 fired after a Twitter dispute. This is IGN. Um, And IGN is kind of a white knighter. Really? Yeah. IGN's known for being very SJW. So writers Jessica Price and Peter Fries. Mm -hmm. That's weird. If you move it around, it's fires. Were let go by developer Arianette after a contentious Twitter exchange with a partnered YouTuber 
Thursday. I don't know what that means. That Sorry. means um, uh, there's a per- there's a like a YouTube personality that must have like a, t- a ties to the game company that talks about the game. Okay. It began Tuesday when Price tweeted out a thread that expanded on a recent Reddit AMA agreement or uh, regarding how to develop personable characters in an MMO. She outlined the difficulty in crafting a unique character, which is also supposed to be act as a she's also supposed to act as a cipher for a multitude of diverse players. Quote, the dirty secret is I'm not sure if it's possible to make an MMOG uh, or a CRPG, you know what we're talking about, massively multiplayer online games. Character compelling because people have different expectations about what that character will be as opposed to pre-designed character in a single-player game, she tweeted. The thread caught the eye of Guild Wars 2 uh, YouTuber D-E-R-O, it's probably French. DeRoyer? It's probably French. and Pronounced Johnson. <laughs> Uh, D-E-R-O-I-R, a streamer involved in content creation with Arianet and under the developer's partnership program. But if instead players were given the option of meaningful to meaningfully express their character through brain, through branching dialogue options, which also aren't just on the checklist for achievement, the force, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he responded to Price. I'm, I'm assuming it's a guy. There, I'm showing my sexism right there. Um, then perhaps players would be more interested in the role-playing aspect of that particular MMO. Price responded on Wednesday saying, Thanks for trying to tell me what we do internally, uh, my dude. Uh, like the uh, like the next rando asshat who attempts to explain the concept of branching dialogue to me as if you know having worked in a game narrative for a fucking decade, I have never heard of it. It's uh, is getting insta-blocked. Yeah. She then retweeted uh, the initial response with the comment, Today in being female game dev, allow me, uh, allow me, a person who does not work with you, explain to you how to do your job. Uh, from there, Guild Wars 2 community members and others on Twitter's launched barbs in both directions. Some against, I'm not trying to pronounce that, the YouTuber for seemingly mansplaining, okay, so it must be a guy, Deborah. to price. Yeah. And against Price for not engaging in communication with uh, his comments. Uh, terms like SJW and gender politics were used as the heated conversation spilled over into Reddit. Well, she, multiple threads were begun. Yeah. So uh, in the midst of the Twitter salvo, Fry's commented in defense of Price. Uh, here's a bit of insight that I legitimately hope he reflects on. She had she never asked for his feedback. Yes, she did. She, she put did. it in the public. She form. absolutely did. Uh, these are our private social media. No, accounts. they are not. Yeah. Imagine you're an astronomer who starts sharing some of the things you learned in the last few months since you began your research project observing Saturn, only to have the observations, uh, observation techniques explained to you by a layman. That's, that's, uh, uh, no wonder he got fired. Yeah. Dror- I'm going to say Dror. Sorry if I'm butchering that. Uh, responded sh- saying he was, quote, disappointed he could not facilitate conversation. In a world where discussion should be encouraged and not belittled, yet the opposite becomes reality, I've apparently found myself in the midst of a war I never intended to partake in. That's Facebook all the time. I'm in an argument I never intended to be in. But this guy guy legitimately was not trying to start an argument. So then he tweets, disappointed, that's all, hashtag I am a feminist. Arianette addressed the firing in the Guild War 2 forum. Recently, two of our employees failed to uphold our standards of communication with players. Their attacks on the community were unacceptable. Uh, Arianette co-founder and president Michael Bryan said, As a result, they are no longer with the company. I want to be clear that the statements they made do not reflect the views of Arianette at all. As a company, we always 
strive to have a collaborative relationship with the Guild Wars community. We value your input. We make the, we make this game for you. Thrys had worked at Arianet for 13 years. That's pricing. a great response, by the way, by them. Well, and people are going to say it's a cop-out. Look, fine. It's their company. They can cop-out if they want. Well, the, the whole thing is they want input from their from the fans, from the people who buy their product. First person who commented on this, it's worth noting that she was fired a year ago from Paizo? Yeah. That's a... that's a uh, uh, For similar reasons. That's yeah, a journalism um, website. And you know what? She also... Um, there was some gamer, a uh, well-known gamer that passed away, and she shit on him, too. On oh, Twitter. um, Biscuit. Yep, yep. Total Biscuit. Total Biscuit. So I have n- I've never heard of the guy, but she, I guess she really... Uh, yeah, she went after him for being real, fat or something like that. Real snark, bitchy comment after he died. Well, he's a he was a younger guy. He was like 35. Yeah. And so, I mean, a bigger guy. So, but she she's a piece of shit. I mean, it's, you can tell by the way she responded to this guy um, that who had a legitimate... Um, uh, contention with her that was not aggressive at all um, to, to come after him like that it's it's this chip on your shoulder um, oh you know everybody's out to get me because I'm a woman it's the it's the typical third wave third wave feminist attitude somebody there's two comments on this I find is funny somebody uh, sinful duchess a feminist and an astronomer astronomer got fired hashtag news I don't think you read that for content very well <laughs> Uh, but then somebody boom forty five says we need we need women writers in gaming women like Amy Hennig I don't know who she is not trash human beings like Price yeah. she wasn't the victim here and even uh, even if she thinks she was she wasn't she was the abuser yeah oh I've got another quote by her this is so she sent a tweet uh, where she insulted a Doror I guess is his name mm. and then she followed up with another and this is a quote. Since we've got a lot of hurt manfields today, let me make something clear. And she spelled it L-E-M-M-E because she's cool. Mm-hmm. This is my feed. I'm not on the clock here. I'm not your emotional courtesan just because I'm a dev. Don't expect me to pretend to like you here. I mean, what a complete... No wonder they fired her. Well, I mean, look... You I... don't want to have people talking to your customers like that. If she's on her own private feed, she can say what she's she wants. She's not. I'm fine with that. She... Well, and this, and this last one, she's saying she's on her own private feed. No, but she's saying that, but Twitter is not for her right. private because she's using her position in the company to get her her fucking blue check mark and to get her followers. Right, right. So she's speaking for her company on that Twitter. Well, look, even if you're not, your company has a right to fire you for what you say in public. Yeah. They have a right to do it. And if they if they find your uh, public persona, even your private persona expressed in public as uh, undesirable, they have every right to fire you. That's just like we talked last time about the guy who ripped the MAGA hat off the kid in the uh, in the uh, Whataburger. He got fired because his employer looked at it and said, "Yeah, we're not having that shit," and I'm okay with that. But I just I I don't get. You know, back to Battlefield Five. this whole thing about why do we have to beat our chests and say, look, asshole, here's how it's going to be. Put your game out there, and if you were right in doing it that way, you're vindicated. And if you're not, you might wind up looking for a new job. Yeah, and the one thing you can do if you actually have a disagreement or you don't agree with what the person says, go, well, you know, I, I, I hear, but that's not my view, and end it right there. Mm-hmm. Don't go into the name calling. Don't go into the, uh, assigning uh, racism or misogyny to the person or whatever you want to assign to them for having that opinion. Um, yeah, unless would, they're legitimately like trolling you, be, you know, trying, would, trying to get a rise out of you. I mean, still turn it off. There's a dude, walk a fucking way from it. 
I wish I could remember who to and that's yeah attribute the quote to, and I'm just paraphrasing it. It sounds kind of like a Mark Twain thing, but I don't think it was his. Um, again, paraphrasing, it's along the lines of if people are going to go to profanity, and well, Twain was the profanity is the layman's crutch thing, but uh, if they're going to go to name calling, as soon as someone starts name calling in a back and forth sort of debate, it kind of means they're out of ammunition, and it's amazing to me how many people get there that fast. No one can ever say, like, she couldn't say, hey, I hear you. We disagree. Um, she had to be like, you're explaining my my job to me. He might have been explaining it for to the people, people watching. Who are, yeah. yeah. Who the, he's the people explaining reading. to the audience. Yeah. Which is normally what you do when you have a debate. Because I would have gone, what's branching dialogue in an MMO? Right. And he probably knew that a lot of people wanted to understand what he was his, he was referring to. So he brought it out, not for her benefit, but for people who were reading's benefit. Well, it's just like when I asked, define white knights. You and I know what it is. Yeah. A lot of people listening don't. So I, everybody's in such... This is why we get the snowflake thing. Be, because I think, I feel like, I, I tend to believe it's people on the left who overreact to this Well, and she stuff. she was your, your stereotypical snowflake. She thought she was special. And that how dare you question anything she does. Yeah, it, questioning her is a personal attack. Yeah. So and 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 then to throw um, the well, it's obviously because you're misogynist, you hate women. You know, it went right to that. You know, that's bullshit too. It's like I, I honestly, I, that didn't sound like the guy. And the the quote from him had nothing to do with um, even how how good she how well she did her job. It's just a difference of opinion on something. That's all that was. Mm-hmm. But she just had to take it to that next level, and I'm so glad she got fired. Well, and I'm glad the white nighter for her got fired too. Just, and that company is, that's pretty surprising actually that it happened that way. I think he was just giving us feedback. I mean, honestly, just saying, hey, look, you know, here's what I think. And though I believe it could be expressed better, or maybe not at all, if people who are going to play Battlefront Five have a problem with the female character being the lead in there, and it's an option, you could say, well, I'm just not going to play a female character. Yeah. But if you say, hey, historically, it seems kind of stupid to me. And, you know, that comment could be, I mean, freedom of speech is the right to say what you want. It doesn't mean you should always But you could let that, that right. roll off your back, that kind of a comment. That's you, the thing. You could not say it because it doesn't add anything. Right. And you could let it roll off your back. Either one of those things. But to get into an argument over, look, this is how it's going to be and it's here to stay and, you know, fuck you and... Not that he yeah, said she was, you, she was basically she good. was primed for a fight, yeah, uh, based on her ideology. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't just the comment; it was that she is ready for a fight, and she'll make a fight out of something that shouldn't be a fight because of her ideology. You know, it's funny. I heard somebody talk about this um, along racial lines with something else. You know, I know you're not a baseball fan, but Jackie Robinson, first black baseball right. player. Um, it was a, an article talking about... Well, the first black baseball player to be allowed on a Sorry, yeah, to, to integrate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was... I wish I could remember who wrote the article. I think it was on ESPN. Saying, the author said, Branch Rickey, the general manager of the uh, Dodgers at the time, did not bring Jackie Robinson in there because he thought, hey, you know, this will be, uh, be great for us and everything. He needed a a good second baseman and that's what Jackie Robinson was. Um, so he didn't do it for all these humanitarian reasons. He did it because financially it made sense for them. And at the time there were a lot of people 
black baseball players who said, he's not even the best one. He's not even in the top 10. You know, why are you taking him? And Branch Rickey sort of admitted because he's the one who'll put up with it the most. Yeah, he had the temperament for it. Yeah. Yeah. And Jackie Robinson died early and he died angry. But if you had had some of those other players in there, they might be seen as that uppity Negro and this is why we don't yeah. have them. And I mean, Branch Rickey told me, he said, guys are going to slide into second base and say, how do you like that, nigger? Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, they're going to spike you. They're going to do all this stuff. They're going to they're gonna be terrible people. They don't want you here. You've got to be able to swallow that. And Jackie Robinson hated it, but he did it. Yeah, and, he knew it need, he needed to have uh, restraint in that. And I'm not saying you should sit there and take that stuff all the time, but sometimes you have to be conscious of it would not have been good for the movement to get black baseball players in had the first guy been a real combative, you know, throw at me, I'm going to charge the mound kind of thing. Well, that's what the third-wave feminists aren't getting, this, the the shrill, just aggressiveness. Oh, so you think they should just shut up and stay in the kitchen, don't you? Um, yeah, um, and yes, yes, uh, barefoot, preferably, <laughs> and pregnant. Yeah, because shoes are expensive. <laughs> and pregnant. Um, no, it's, it's this aggressiveness that just... It turns people that would normally say, "Yeah, I get it. Um, I could be, I could be persuaded to be on your side." It just immediately pushes them to go, "No, no, I want, I want no part of you." If you wanna, if you wanna win an argument, you gotta convince people. And generally, calling people names and, you know, screaming at them, doesn't convince people. It just pushes people to their corners. Right. You know, I just, I don't get why people don't get that. And yeah, everybody's got some. Some diehard positions. I mean, we've talked before about gun control, about how, you know, we're not really moving on that. Um, I'm still open to the idea of someone convincing me, but uh, I, I can't see that happening. But I'm open to the idea. I I love how... Yeah, there's some fundamental positions you take that yeah. you just can't... There's not going to be no compromise on. Well, Gavin McGinnis had... Um, he said a long time ago, he said, I like to disagree with people. Because I want to have people try and convince me that I'm wrong. He said, I'm generally not going to be wrong because I put a lot of time and effort and thought into the opinions I have. He said, but I don't want to stand around and talk to people who just agree with me. I want to find people who disagree with me so I can hear the other side of the stuff and maybe be convinced. And he's basically saying, I'm smart, but I'm not a genius. So flip me on this opinion. Omnipotent. There's, there are aspects of an argument I might have not have considered. And so when someone comes to you like that, I think it's helpful instead of calling them a name to sort of say, "All right, let's let's see your let's see what you think and I'll tell you what I think and let's try and convince each other." And some people say, "No one ever wins an argument that's not going anywhere." Fine, maybe it doesn't. But if we never have the discussion, it's never going to get us anywhere. So the discussion is important. So. Yeah, whatever, my dude. Yeah, my dude nine <laughs> underscore nine. So, um, hey, we talked about this before, just for sort of fun. You brought this. What the hell is this game again? Table topics. It's like a lucite cube with a bunch of car, uh, car cards in it, and it just says table topics. So you just pull a card out and have it start discussion based on the. On the Thanks for card. mansplaining that to me, like, <laughs> my know, dude. Yeah, my dude. <laughs> describing it to everybody, you know, like I can't do it myself. Oh, I see how you took and control. It's, I see how you took sight. It's not plastic, right? I see, how pedantic of you. I see how you took control of it and you, you pulled it towards you, so I can't reach any of the cards now. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Exactly. So, but uh, these are some fun topics for discussion. We just want to do this. Well, they might be. Some of them <laughs> were already. 
Where is change needed in your life? Oh. Next question. God, yeah. That, <laughs> did we, maybe if we start an episode with that. Oh, God. Right? I don't want to get into it. My God. Uh, if you could live on any beach, what would you choose? If you could live on any beach? I, I kind of like the, the Florida Keys. Yeah. Florida Keys are nice. I want to stay out of the California beaches. Mm-hmm. They just seem really... Yeah, I don't know. East and the East Coast beaches don't seem that great, but well, they have tornado sharks there, don't they? Yeah, yeah. no shark tornadoes. Shark, <laughs> shark tornado. Well, I didn't want to get a copyright strike. <laughs> I've never been. I've never been the. Um, I've never been the beach kind of guy. I mean, the beach is fine, but yeah, daily beach life would get old really quick. I would believe. But you see some of the pictures of those, you know, crystal blue beaches with the white sands, and you see like the. Uh, the the thatched huts out on the on the dock by themselves and it's like this just beautiful setting you're like yeah, i guess i guess if that were the setting for every day to wake up to i guess i'd be okay with it i have a picture in my house big painting of a um of like a the front porch of an old cabin looking out on a lake and there's it's sort of like a terry redland kind of painting mm-hmm. um that's been more my, i'd be more of a lake guy i'm not it's I'm not, the same kind of idea though it's just yeah, kind of like a very a, a low-key existence. Yeah, maybe. Uh, who's the most famous person you've met? I know exactly who you're going to say. The most famous person I've met? Yeah. I'll have to think about it a little bit. Larry Correa? Uh, I don't think so, because really? he's not that famous. I don't know. He's pretty famous. Um, I think... Um, uh, who's Sean Penn's brother? The one who died? Yeah. He was uh, in Best of the Best. Yeah. I met him in Florida. I think Larry Larry's got him beat. <laughs> he died like seven or eight years ago. Who else did I meet? I, I'm sure I've met somebody more. Uh, I'd have to think about it. I How about a, you? I've met a shit ton of famous people. Like the most famous. God, it'd be hard to say. Yeah, that's a hard one. You have to actually think about that. I mean, I met a ton of um, Tom Brokaw, I guess. Okay. Yeah, he's pretty famous. Yeah, he's... Um, He's really good friends. Now, just shaking He's hands. Really with good a, friends with a member of my family. Like shaking hands with a celebrity, like at a convention or something. I don't. I wouldn't consider that part of meeting us. No, this was like talking to him for yeah. a few minutes. I mean, he was. I'm he thinking was like the, he was the best man at a wedding in. Yeah, my I'm family. thinking like stumbling upon them, not like seeking them out for an autograph. I'm, that's no. He and yeah. I talked for a few minutes. He was asking me a few questions about me and stuff. He yeah, knows. I guess I guess mine the, off the top of my head is Larry Korea, but I can't think of anybody else. And and nobody else. Half half the people listening to this podcast. <laughs> I shouldn't say half, but the majority of the people listening to this podcast is, are not even going to know who that is. Uh, this one's dumb. What's the best wine you've ever tasted? None of them. I Yeah, I couldn't name one wine that I liked. I tried to get into wine a while ago uh, with an ex, um, and we went... I mean, I tried a good solid two years to try to get into wine because she was into wine, and basically just got her into whiskey. Because <laughs> wine sucks. <laughs> well, my wife and I took a trip to um, uh, Sonoma, went, drove all the way up, you know, went through like Behringer and, and uh, all the way to Sterling, which was at the end. Um, and those are the two I remember because those are the two places that I tried wine that I finally went, oh, this tastes good. What would you drink this with? And both times, the sommelier or whatever the person was there was like, well, it's kind of just That's racist. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Said, uh, um, well, that's really kind of a dessert wine. You wouldn't really drink that with food. <laughs> like you, But that's the one you liked? Yeah. I, I like sweeter stuff. I do. Um, yeah, the the wine thing, I, 
I had the worst hangover of my life off of box wine. I had some sort of like Merlot or something from a box. And when they say splitting headache, I never realized that's a real thing because I never had one before that. I never had a splitting headache. So I woke up with with felt like some my head was ripping apart down the middle and I had to go to the bathroom. But like even trying to sit up made it feel like it was literally splitting apart. So I had to hold both my hands on both sides of my heads and push it together to keep it from splitting apart because that's what it felt like was happening. And to go to go to the bathroom and I pissed all over the floor in the toilet seat. And then, well, how's that different? And then tried to pop some ibuprofen and went back to bed. But it was the most excruciating hangover I've ever had in my life off of wine. So F wine. Man, these are stupid. What's your favorite Super Bowl game? None of them. Don't care. Um, XXIIII. Oh, here we go. This is for you. Uh, not for me. If you could be a backup singer for any band, who would it be? In sync, hands down. <laughs> Because you want it that way, you know that's <laughs> bye bye bye. Oh. <laughs> or my my my, I don't know. Uh, if I could be a backup singer for anybody, yeah, a backup singer. I wouldn't want to be a backup singer. I want to be the lead. Okay, I'm think they're just thinking. Hey, what would be fun? Uh it would probably be like. Uh, yeah, no, I I can't think of. I wouldn't want to back up anybody. Bye bye bye. You got to do that thing. Bye bye bye. He's, doing, a, he's doing a little duck quack with his hands. I had a neighbor. Who could do the whole dance, the whole Backstreet Boys? Is that is that Backstreet Boys or is it NSYNC? I, I don't know. But he could do that whole dance, and he was all proud of it. And I'm like, don't don't. That's be, not something to be proud of. No. But yeah, no, no, no backup singing for me. Sorry. Although I had a roommate in college who could do the whole um, uh, dance for Beat It, which was actually kind of cool to see. <laughs> a lot of crotch grabbing. How'd you meet your significant other? Work. Mm, um. The internet. <laughs> Tentacle porn. Yep. Okay. What will be the hardest to give up as you become more environmentally responsible? <laughs> Cordite. Cordite, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the hardest thing to give up? Uh, probably paper towels. Loves me some paper towels. I use a lot of paper towels in my life. But are paper towels more environmentally... If you get paper towels that break down... Well, versus, I guess yeah. I guess plastic, washing. like a plastic bag, would be worse than paper towels. Yeah, but if you're using uh, if you're using hand towels over and over, and you're washing them in the detergent. Oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, Red Solo cups. How's that? Yeah, paper plates. I guess. Ah, who knows? That's stupid. Because I'm not going to be. I'm a Republican. I'm not going to be more environmentally conscious. Okay, now we're getting good. Who's uh, I, I stick with cordite. Okay, cordite's <laughs> a good one. Uh, who's your favorite odd person? <laughs> you first. I gotta think about that for a minute. My favorite odd person <laughs> that people would know. Yeah, I, you have to think of somebody in the public sphere. I would imagine, right? Because I I know a shit ton of odd people. Um, I know I've said that before. We're like that's that guy's an odd duck or that gal's odd, but I like her or I like him. But off the top of my head, I can't think of who it is. Like actors. Uh, I mean, like Johnny Depp's an odd guy. Yeah, he's odd, but I don't like him. I like God, some I of his performances. Yeah, that's that's a hard off the top of the head one to think of. That's one you'd have to come back to. Yeah, uh, I get maybe. I mean, this is this is going really sort of two foot putt, real easy. Steve Martin was for a while. I mean, he was just different. Yeah, 
He's still kind of, I mean, playing the banjo and all that stuff. Oh, Dave but... Chappelle's another kind of quirky dude. Yeah. Oh, you know who's a kind of a quirky guy is um, uh, Donald Glover. Yeah. He was, in, he, he was the Lando Calrissian in the yep. new Han Solo movie. He also was on um, Community, the TV show. And he was in a movie before that where he, he, he played like him and three other guys were child detectives that grew up. And they were still stupid. Like, they were still dumb. Like, they acted like they were the kids and had some sort of... It was a funny, quirky movie. And he, he plays odd, like, off quirky, but he's, but he's, he's good at it. So. Well, the guy, the bad guy played in the last uh, Spider-Man movie was kind of odd. Yeah, he just... And, well, then his, he has a, a, a rap persona named Childish Gambino. So he's a, he's a strange... He's an odd duck. So, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll say Donald Glover. Yeah, I'd have to think about that. I, I mean... I can think of people like, you know, David Byrne from The Talking Heads. He's just weird. Yeah. But, I mean, that's... God, when was the last time he was relevant? Um, what music have you recently discovered? Um, have I recently discovered? What's... Uh, okay. Speaking of Donald Glover, that that uh, rap he came out with, uh, This Is America. Did you ever see that? No. It's... um. It's a. I don't like rap. I, I actually despise rap. Uh, there's 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 might be one or two rap songs where I go, yeah, this is listenable. But mostly I don't like rap. So I came out with this song recently called "This Is America," and it was or a rap, and it's kind of political, politically charged, and people were like trying to like deconstruct it and figure out what it was about. But he wouldn't come out and say what it was about. But you know, is it about racism in America? Is it about violence in america is it about being a black man in america and he he won't say but it 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 is, is he black <laughs> yes and i it, don't see it, color it is interesting and it was entertaining to watch and the the rap style was different than what i'm used to hearing it had it had a certain kind of flow to it that i'm not used to hearing from rap and they i guess i heard the name of what that was and i'm sure somebody listening is going to know what they call that style of rapping like and i but i can't think of it it's like it's like the dance steps like the um, or like uh, the dance music where they have like dubstep and all that. It's something along those lines, but it's the rap version of that. So I thought it was kind of interesting. I just, the first time I've heard of it, I'm like, I could see people being into it because it's a, it's off. It's it's strange, but it's kind of catchy. Yeah, I can't, I can't think of any new music I've come across. Um, I mean, the last time I remember finding anything new that was I thought was totally cool was uh, a band called Flogging Molly. Mm-hmm. Like a, what do they call them? Irish punk fusion kind ska. of thing. Nah, it's not really ska. No, no. I mean, they're a lot like the Pogues, um, or Dropkick Murphys. Okay, yeah. There's no ska on that then. Yeah. So I like yeah. I like that stuff. I I liked rap a ton in the '80s. I mean, a lot of Run DMC, a little Cool J stuff when it was like the. I like it when it it feels like poetry, like you think poetry, like rhyme and meter to it and stuff. When yeah. when they started getting like not NWA because they were different and not Dre and Tupac and stuff like that, but some of the stuff that came after that, like uh, I don't know, like mid '90s stuff, it just sounded to me like there were word vomiting well, I, stuff. I couldn't, I could, I could never stand Eminem. I I didn't like, I don't like, yeah, I don't like most rap. I mean, maybe there was one or two Beastie Boys songs I liked, but I don't. It's not something I'd be like, oh, I really want to play Beastie Boys. It's like, yeah, I came on and be like, oh, yeah, I, I, I'm not annoyed by this. And same with Run DMC, like the older ones. That's like, eh, yeah, sure, why not? 
If you could spend an afternoon with your favorite sports hero, who would it be and what would you do? Hmm, that's interesting. I'm not a real big sports fan, so sports hero? If I could spend an afternoon with them? I, I, what would you do? I, you'd probably drink whiskey with them. Yeah, have a cigar and drink whiskey probably. There you go, yep. What would you have for your last meal? I think uh, it would be it would either be a go all out and have like lobster with butter and crab legs and, and scallops and all the seafood I love that's expensive. Or um, one of my uh, um, secret vices is a, a really good Chinese buffet and I'd hit it until I exploded. <laughs> be up there like six, seven times and they wouldn't even have to put me in the chair. I'd be, my, I'd rupture. I guess I look at that and say I can't see a point where I would ever, um, where I would ever be at a point where I had to have a last meal. I mean that idea seems so foreign to me that I'm just trying to put myself in the this is my last meal thing, not thinking I could ever do anything that would get me get me the death penalty. Yeah, yeah so take that off the table. I would have to be there wrongly accused. I'm like right. I'd either just finally go resign myself to it and eat every piece of trashy shit I could. Or I'd just be like, I'm not hungry. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't know. I, if you're asking me what my favorite food is, it's chicken fried rice. Is that what I want all the time? No, but. But if it's something that. You, it's my favorite food. If it's something that you feel guilty about eating because it's not good for you, that would probably be your last meal, right? And so Chinese buffet or a bunch of super expensive fish <laughs> for me. I can answer this one for you. What TV host would you want to interview you? What TV host? What do you want? So you're famous, you're getting interviewed, who would you want to Sean have? Sean Hannity? Seriously? He would kiss my ass because we're, we're both ideologically close. So it'd be fun. Seems like a nice guy. Wow, that's not where I would have gone for you. Tom Shalhoub That's who I thought. Oh, you know what? He's not really a TV host, though. Yeah, but he was. He was. He was on Red Eye, but he's not known as a TV host. He's a comedian. He does radio now. So, yeah, yeah if he was doing a TV show, and was, I would definitely want Tom Shalhoub. He's a comedian. He's very good. He's... He's he's also known for doing barbershop quartet. He does that with um, Jimmy Fallon, but he has his own uh, quartet that he's part of. But he'll be part of Jimmy Fallon's. Yeah, the ragtime gals. Yes, <laughs> and they do some pretty funny like modern songs in in uh, in uh, quartet, you know, barbershop quartet style. It's very funny. Of them. But he's a really good guy. He's he's uh, he's on the right, but he's about the most likable guy you'll ever see. His, his book I, that you gave me, I just finished reading, Mean Dads for a Better America. Yeah. It yeah. really is good. I'm going to give it to my 11 year old to read. Yeah, he's he's a he's a good guy. And in, in, in regardless if you're on the left, um, he has all kinds of people. Um, when he was host of Red Eye and on his radio show on Fox, right now he'll have people from the left on his radio show, and they get along famously. I mean, he's just really the kind of guy that can get along with anyone. Yeah. But he's not a pushover either. I mean, he has his opinions, but he's just so likable. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? Uh, I could go two ways with this. I mean, I, I don't want to say that Jimmy Fallon's and all of those. Ugh. I mean, who cares? I mean, they've interviewed a million people. So I'm pushing it on someone like a Gavin McInnes. Oh, that'd not, be fun. He's not really a TV host. I see him as Gavin would be the kind of person who'd be like, you know, I'm 95% with you, but this thing you said is fucking bullshit. So, but he'd make you laugh. Talk, That's I want to talk about right. that. Yeah. Explain to me why you're not an idiot. He'd say something like that. But yeah, he's not. He, I don't think he counts. He's he's a YouTube personality. He's he's on CRTV, which is behind a paywall. So we're talking about like national cable, yeah. cable or or network. So uh, either that or to be honest, Bill Maher. Oh God. Because I, 
there are so many times when I watch his show, I just want to go, that's fucking bullshit. It's bullshit. Yeah. You're making you, it up. You want to butt heads with him is what you want to do. No, I don't. Well, I, I think outward appearances are. So I don't want to say, no, that's not it. Well, he would, he, he fully, would like to call him out on bullshit. I fully intend. I want, you know, when he says stuff like, uh, oh, all these Christians and their Bible and all that shit. I just want to go, okay, what? Most, most people who consider themselves Christian aren't going... Well, it says it in the Bible. Most of them are going, yeah, the Bible was written 250 years after, using air quotes here, Christ died, you know. Uh, so I don't think. And was resurrected. Yeah, I don't think that being a Christian and being um, anti-science go hand in hand. I think there are definitely people who fall into that sort of stripe. But I think most people who go to church believe that there were dinosaurs and things like that and the earth's not two two thousand years old and yeah so i hate when he does stuff like that you know oh the christians and hating the gays most people don't fucking care no you know anyway <laughs> this yes. will be the last one i think well let's do one more after because right. this one's too easy have you ever purchased something you saw in an infomercial god if you couldn't <laughs> do that you'd be rich no i'm not generally the kind of guy that buys off of infomercials I think I have once, but I generally buy off internet. Yeah, you're, so, you're so, an impulse buyer. So yeah, I'm an impulse buyer, and I will get persuaded by by good advertising on, on the internet. Like a Facebook ad will actually pull me in, and I'll buy something. But actual inf- infomercials, I don't think I've bought like a like a George Foreman grill or or a, what do you call it, a, a slap chop. <laughs> I've never bought. I've been tempted to go with the slap chop. Yeah, so I don't think I actually have bought anything off of uh, off of uh, infomercials. Um, yeah, I, I, I might've bought something that was advertised on infomercials, but not calling the number. Like when it shows up at a store, like target will have that infomercial shelf. I've, yeah, I've never bought anything on an infomercial, but I've done the, as seen on TV yeah, stuff. Yeah, yep. But I do have to say my wife has always been there when we've done that. So she's like the, uh, she's like the one who ropes me into that. Oh, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a perfect consumer. I mean, if it's, if you're. If you advertise the correct way and you have the right language, you'll rope me in. And it doesn't matter if the product is shit or not. If it's like the right language to make me go, oh, that's really cool sounding. Uh, a good example is the first time I've ever heard of um, what's the, it's called the bartender's ketchup. It's a Saint Germain. It's a uh, it's a liquor that you kind of mix in with a lot of drinks. It's elderflowers is what it's made out of. Well, the first time I saw it at this at the liquor store. Um, first the bottle caught my eye because the bottle is amazing. It's like a, uh, it's like a art deco kind of thing and it's yeah, really well made. It's very bottles. cool looking. Um, so that catches you. I'm like, Oh, what is this? Saint Germain. Oh, elderflower liqueur. That sounds fancy. And then they had a little tag on it with a little history in it. And I talked about, <laughs> I, I don't know if it was France or what, I can't remember what country it is, but that's like in the French in the highlands, there's these trees that flower and the little old men ride their bicycles up and they, <laughs> gather these flowers they bring them down and we press them and i was like, I was like oh i'm sold this is such a good story <laughs> sounds so cool i can't wait to try it and it, luckily it actually is a good it's a good drink it's actually pretty good in just about every drink you make it with but uh yeah that that got me the advertising got me on that one my wife gets suckered into these things at the state fair all the time you go into that like as seen on tv building mm-hmm. you know where they're selling like sham wows and stuff like that. <laughs> she'll come home with something and she's been about 50 50 on this um although i remember the the failures more than the successes, but like the thing that where you like tape for painting, you know, it's like, oh, you just go around your windows with this thing on a wheel and it takes three seconds. It's like, 
yeah, well, that guy's gone and sold thousands of those things everywhere in the country. And there was one that was like some sort of ice scraper with all these different heads. And she's like, you can use this in the driveway. No, you can't. It's like a broom handle. It just it doesn't really work. But she did pick up a couple of things. One's like a this chip thing. You slide in a bag. It won't come off at all. It's not like the clip. That's the best thing ever. Yeah, some of them actually are. And color-coordinated Tupperware that was sized and everything. Yeah, that's I like because I lose the lids <laughs> all the time. Um, but I've ne- not that I'm aware that I've ever bought anything off an infomercial. Okay. All right, last one. Uh, what's your greatest memory of a childhood friend? Greatest memory? Mm-hmm. Like best time I had with a childhood friend? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. I, uh, I'm not talking when you were an altar boy. I have all kinds of negative memories of childhood friends. I have to sift through those first. Maybe that's why you're so happy. <laughs> I, I think you said that sarcastically. Yeah, right. I did. Well, the greatest memory of a childhood friend. That That's interesting because... As soon as you said childhood friend, it seriously brought up a bunch of negative experiences with childhood friends. So my best one is a buddy that I met when I was 12 that we're still friends. He's still one of my best friends. He was at my wedding, everything. He um, And I don't have many friends that go back that far. Um, he, uh, he and I, in seventh grade, met in homeroom uh, at school, junior high. And there was a, this this. Uh, girl because she was in ninth grade who sat in front of us we, we were just like totally smitten over and uh, I say smitten because I was trying to be cute um, over the moon yeah and uh, yeah so we bonded talking about her and at the end of the year when she would talk to us like we were just you know a couple of people we she knew we thought we were the coolest thing ever but so on Facebook a couple years ago, I did one of those things where you copy and paste that says, hey, for all my friends out there, give me one give me one word that describes how we met. And people put, you know, like work and neighborhood and all that stuff, friends. He put her last name. And I was like, yes. That's funny. <laughs> and so it's not necessarily one memory, but, I mean, that's how I met that friend of mine. It was a memory that occurred basically every day, five days a week for nine months. Yeah, I have but, such yeah. a spotty and bad memory. I don't even think I can think back to like my childhood before you know like my pre like right before preteen years so i can't think of like at that age like 9 10 11 12 i don't even know i that's why the bad memories are the only ones I remember because they were the most vivid look did i say for, vivid yeah I meant vivid for people there who don't know crow uh let me explain how bad your memory is he's been to my house at least 50, 60 times over the time I've known you. More than that, probably. Oh, yeah. Closer to 100. And you still need your fucking GPS. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, GPS is a miracle. Yeah. And it's not because you're directionally challenged, because it's like, you know, two lefts and a right from your house. But Yeah, but I'm, I'm directionally dyslexic. So if I think left or right, then next time I think left, right and left, I just can't. I can't keep left and right and right and left. Uh, I mean, I know my left and my right, but when I think of directions, when it goes turn left here, I think right. And then next time I might think left and I go, well, is it left or do I think it's left? And then I'll pick the wrong one. So, but okay. You've driven the same path one that of many the, times. One of the earliest like memories that sticks with me that was a lot of fun, but that it's not, like it's not really childhood, but it was like when I was 16 or 17. So is that child? Does yeah, that count? Sure. Um, in Iowa, I had a bunch of, um, I had a, a, a nephew that was actually a year and a half older than me, but I had a bunch of friends and they were all dorks and geeks and nerds and whatever but one of them had a car 
and we go out into the boonies in Iowa, out in the out in the dirt roads in the back, and we car surf. And that's when you get up on yep. either the hood or the roof, and you. I uh, saw Teen Wolf. So we car surf, and we would we would actually it was pretty fucking dangerous. We would actually try to knock each other off the car, so we take turns driving. How and fast were you going? I don't know. I mean, it's a little dirt road, so probably thirty. God, God. Um, so we would fishtail. We'd start fishtailing. It's a good memory. Yeah, but it was a lot of fun. So we'd start fishtailing the car and uh, and trying to break the person loose from the top. Well, he'd have a pretty good death grip on both sides of the car stretched out. So what we did, we decided it's too easy for him. So we'd say, there's two of you up there now, and you have to share the roof. <laughs> so, so I got up on the roof with uh, Howie, and he was really big, a big, heavy dude. And I was a little guy, so I didn't take up much space. And he took up a lot of space. Um, and so we started driving along, and uh, my nephew was driving, and another of our friends was in the passenger seat, and we're driving along. He's fishtailing, and we're giggling and laughing, and I'm almost falling off. He's almost falling off. And then we take a sharp turn because the road veers to the left. I'm on the left on the roof, and my heavy set friend Howie's on the, the right. Or the right. You can't remember. <laughs> exactly. And they veer to the left. And as they veer to the left, Howie disappears. He's gone. And it's night. So I'm like, he was here a second ago. And I'm like pounding on the roof. I'm like, how oh, he's gone? And uh, they stop the car and I get off and I look inside. And um, the guy driving is like, what, what happened? What happened? The guy in the passenger seat's like got this little weird smirk on his face. And he's like all like sunken in and, and like trying to stop from laughing. And I'm like, what's going on? And then Howie comes trudging up. And he just goes, you fucker. The guy in the passenger seat reached up and grabbed him and pulled him off the roof. <laughs> as we take the turn. Oh, my God. I'm like, that's insane. You could have killed him. And then uh, another time we were, we were, I was riding up on the roof and I was doing the, the team wolf. I was so wait, how, how banged up was Howie? Not too bad. I think, okay. his, I think he, I think he went into a, like a ditch that was just all grass. Ugh. But, uh, uh, another time we were surfing, I was on top and I was standing, I was doing the team wolf. I was surfing. I was standing on the, on the, on the roof and I saw this was getting to be dawn at this point because we were doing it all night long. And there was a big tree, one of those, I don't know if it was a weeping willow, but it had the branch like hanging over the road. And I'm like, stop. And I'm like, right under the branch, right under the branch. And they go, they speed up. And I'm like, here we go. And I grab the branch and the car goes out from under me and it like dips down and I touch the road and I spring back up. <laughs> it was like the coolest thing ever. I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. They should make a riot out of this. And, uh, and then uh, I drove, after that I drove when it got light out and uh, finally blew a tire. Because we've been doing that all night long, and then they were shitty tires and blue tire. We didn't have a jack, so we all had to like kind of lift up together to get them to change the tire, and it was a lot. It was a lot of fun. So yeah, that's a that's a good childhood memory. Yeah, I guess. close enough. So all right, well, that was kind of fun. If you uh, yeah, if you want to contact us, go ahead and uh, contact Crow at uh, Crow and Bread Circuses Podcast.com or Rooster at Bread and Circuses Podcast.com. Um, and uh, don't forget to listen and rate us. We'd appreciate it. Yep. That's all I got. See you, bye.